invite you to take your Bibles now and turn with me to Hosea chapter 14. And we are uh, close to the end of Hosea. So I was considering the, these nine verses that conclude this uh, prophecy of Hosea. It, it really stuck out to me that uh, there are probably three sermons here that you and I need to hear. And so the first one that we're thinking about tonight is how to return to the Lord. How to return to the Lord. How do I come back to Him? The Lord provides us with instructions here. How do we, how do we get back? How do we find our way to Him? Now let's begin by reading. Let's read all nine verses as an act of worship. This is God's Word. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to Him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses And we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you the orphan finds mercy. I will heal up their apostasy. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and His fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath My shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, What have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them but transgressors stumble in them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for precious promises. We thank you so much, especially when you speak promises, because we know that you are the infinite, eternal, and unchanging God, and everything you promise will come to pass because you promise not on the gold of the temple, Not by the stars in the sky. You don't promise by mountains. You don't promise by seasons. But because there is nothing greater, you promise by yourself. So that by two unchangeable things, your word and yourself, we may trust every word you have spoken. 
Bless us tonight, Lord, as we consider your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, how would you end the the prosecution? You are resting your case. You've made everything known. You've you've sent your best attorney out, and you've made your case known, and and, uh, the defendant sitting on the stand, he he can't even utter a word against you. And all that's left is for the bailiff to come out to clap you in irons and lead you away. What are your parting words? Job well done. Case closed. Throw the book at him. Put him in the slammer. Everything is done. Well, that's not how God does it. And thanks to the Lord that that's not how He leaves things. He ends his prosecution of Israel with an exhortation. We saw Peter's exhortation uh, this morning. Tonight we're looking at the Lord's exhortation to Israel. And as sort of, as, as you can sort of, you can see the scene waving goodbye. There are the taillights. Assyria's in the driver's seat. Uh, Israel's, Israel's in the trunk. And there are the taillights as they go off into Assyria and we're waving goodbye. See you later, guys. The Lord exhorts them to return. I want you to notice as we get into this that His invitation is not to return to the land. He's not saying, come on back to the promised land. His invitation is return to me. And we need to think about tonight, what what does it mean to return to the Lord? How do I do that? There are a lot of occasions where we need to think about returning to the Lord, aren't there? Maybe you'll find yourself in a season of life where you are really grappling with some sin. Or the consequences of some sin. You're, you're caught up in it as Galatians 6.1 says the picture of a fish being caught in a net there. You're caught in some sin and you need to return. We were talking with uh, Michelle's brother tonight about a lady who rededicated her life to the Lord. What's she doing? You think about it when you counsel with a friend who's wandering or maybe you're going into the, the prison. And you, somebody needs to return to the Lord. What do you tell them to do? You think about it when you pray for our country. We need to return to the Lord. What, what does that mean? How does an individual return to God? We're going to see in three points tonight, really simply, I'll, I'll put it very simply for you. Go back to the Word. Seek the Lord's forgiveness and repent of your sins. Go back to the Word. Seek God's forgiveness and repent of your sins. God invites His people to listen to His commands, to seek His forgiveness, and to repent of misplaced reverence. The solution to Israel's problems here as they're going into Assyria, what do we need to do? Some of them may be thinking, you think of maybe that remnant of faithful believers who are caught up in this tide. And they never bowed the knee to Baal. But 
there was, the Assyrian king didn't say, okay, we got a checklist, and we know all of you who bowed the knee to Baal, all y'all are being punished. But those of you who are praying to Yahweh, you can stick around. That didn't happen. Everybody went. Everybody went. And the solution for them is not to return to the temple. It's not come back to the land. It is return to me. And guess what? They could do that whether they were in Jerusalem or in Assyria. Why do they need to return? Well, notice with me in verse 1. You have stumbled because of your iniquity. You have stumbled because of your iniquity. The chapter begins and ends with this idea. Do you remember the very last little proverb there is um, with reference to the Lord's ways, uh, the unrighteous stumble in His ways. So it begins and ends with this idea of stumbling. What does it mean to stumble? Well, maybe an illustration in in the Tokyo Olympics in 2020, there was a runner by the name of Sifan Hassan. She was a Dutch runner. And she was running the 1,500-meter sprint. That's four laps around the track. So they're going into the first curve of the last lap. And Sifan had just sort of been holding her pace in the back of the pack, you know, just sort of ready to make her burst at the end. And the girl in front of her fell down. And Sifan tripped over her and pancaked on the track. She stumbled. She got up and won the race. The Lord is very particular here with this word. Because to stumble is different than to fall. Okay? To stumble is different than to fall. To fall, to fall uh, is final. To stumble means you tripped over a Lego at night in your house. The term is used here of there's a moral failure that's happened in Israel. Hence, you have stumbled because of your iniquities. Look, it's nobody else's fault, guys. You did it. But it is distinguished from falling. Physically, it can be the result of weariness and fatigue. You're not seeing clearly. Your eyes are groggy. You haven't had your coffee in the morning, so you stumble. It can be an aspect of God's judgment. We've seen this in Hosea 4, 5 and 5, 5. But here I want you to notice that it is an aspect of God's assurance. He's chosen this word. You have stumbled. You haven't fallen. You've stumbled. It's a long path. And at this moment, you have taken a misstep. This is an assurance that we can give when we do evangelism, isn't it? When we're, we're going out on the streets and we're talking to those who, are, who maybe are walking astray, who perhaps they've made a profession somewhere back along the lines and they say, I'm not walking with the Lord. And I can say, you've stumbled, but you haven't fallen. As long as you are alive, God holds out to you the invitation to repent. For Israel, this assurance was important. 
God was disciplining them strongly for their rebellion. And here at the end, listen, he's reminding us that his plans for his people have not stopped. Assyria and Israel, in all of their sin, cannot thwart his plan. So he called them to return. But he doesn't leave the idea of returning up to their imagination. Imagine if he said, okay, guys, just, just come back. You say, well, how do we get back? What do we do? Think of Thomas. When Jesus said, I'm going to a place where you, you will come after me later. And Thomas said, well, how do we get there? How do we return? God teaches them three aspects of returning to the Lord that you will do well to observe. First of all, listen to God's commands. You see, this is the hard part for Israel. You've been hard-hearted. I've given you my commands, but there's a difference between having them and listening to them. You need to listen to my commands. Notice what he says in verse 2. Take with you words. Well, notice, this is, you, you can't take the gold of the, tavern, the temple. You can't take the silver. You can't take the bronze. You can't take uh, the ark with you. You can't take the sand. You can't take your home or the bricks. Assyria has gutted you, but the one thing they cannot take from you is my word. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, from your childhood, your parents have been training you. Listen to the Word. They've been teaching you, some of them faithfully. And so, because it's in your heart, you can take it with you. God is not going to stop the deportation, but He urges His people to take with you words. Now, this is plural. So, He's saying, y'all, y'all take the words with you. What does it mean to take words? What do you think? I think what he means is his word. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, you may not know that, that that's not the Hebrew name for that book. The Hebrew name for Deuteronomy is words. Davrim. The book of Davrim. It's words. Why? Because it's Moses' final sermons to the people of Israel. Here are the words. Remember these. He reiterates the commands of God. Take these words with you into Canaan. God's covenant is recorded in words. So, so often don't we want some sign. Lord, show me, assure me of your love for me. Over a couple thousand years, I caused all these names to be written down so that you can sit right now and read my very words. I love you. God's covenant is recorded in words. We are to meditate upon God's words. Think about all the way back to Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. We, we think about this. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. And then he says this, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, even Assyria. You remember the picture of 
Christian in Pilgrim's Progress on page one. There's this man, he's got a great burden on his back. Remember that? In his hand was God's word. You see, because of the Spirit's work in that man, that word became living. And and the life that that word took on in his heart was depicted by that burden. He was convicted of his sin. God's word is effective in the life of his people. And so we need to remember the sufficiency of God's word. Everything that you need to know to please your Lord is written on these pages. Everything that that friend that you're counseling who's going through a rocky marriage or, or whatever it is, everything that that friend needs to know is written in these pages. That single mom who is struggling, what she needs to hear is written on these pages. That alcoholic who needs to return to the Lord, what he needs to know is written on these pages. These are the words of God. If you need to return to the Lord, step one, really simply, here it is. Get your Bible and start reading. My junior year in college, I I probably shared this story with you before, my junior year in college, I just remember this young lady who would come through our fraternity house and she would invite us to a Bible study. And that's all that it took for God to (coughs) water the gospel seeds that had been uh, planted in my own heart. And the first thing I did was go to the local Bible bookstore and buy my Bible and I started reading. And do you know what happened? Immediately, God, by His Holy Spirit, began to counsel me. Remember, John said, you don't need a teacher. What he means by that is when you sit with your word and you seek the Lord's face, He will speak to you from here. He will guide you. Where do I start? Somewhere. Somewhere. If you were a Jew, you would have started with Torah. You would have gone to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that reminder. Those Assyrian gods aren't God. Read the Psalms. Read the Proverbs. I think it was likely God's intent that what these people should do would go back and read Genesis to Deuteronomy on repeat. When you get to Deuteronomy 32, go back to Genesis 1. Number two, listen to God's commands. Number two, seek His forgiveness. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to Him, He's given you a prayer to pray. What do I pray? What do I say? Well, here it is. Take away all my iniquity. Accept what is good and we will pay with bulls. The vows of our lips. The second step in returning to the Lord is to confess your sin. Now listen. Notice, notice the, the order here is very specific. What is my posture? Well, first... I begin returning to the Lord by listening to Him, and then I speak. You see? I come with a submissive heart. We read in Nehemiah 9, 
2 to 3, how the people came back and they confessed their sins to the Lord. Notice, God tells them what to say. Take away all iniquity. It was iniquity that caused Israel to stumble in the first place. Lord, take away what caused me to stumble in the first place. And you know what that is in your life. You know what it is right now that causes you to stumble in your walk with the Lord. Ask Him to take it away. What were they asking God to take away here? Sin and guilt. Lord, take away our guilt. But now, we're not, we're not free grace people. In other words, every time that we pray and we thank the Lord for His grace, we also have to acknowledge His justice. Okay, because the reason that God is able to forgive you at all is because somebody paid the price in your place. God is a just judge. He doesn't just say, okay, let's forget all the sin. I didn't mean all that bad stuff I said to you in chapters 1 to 13. So they slaughter bulls. Specifically, these bulls are a picture of the atonement. In other words, what's happening is every time someone brings a bull to the tabernacle and the priest slaughters it there, that man lays his hand on it. And the bull, that is a picture of the bull taking his sin and his guilt in his place. In other words, we know that it is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is expiation of your sin. Your sin is taken away from you. But it doesn't just go into some uh, a nether somewhere, some void. God doesn't just stick it in a closet. He put it on the back of Christ Jesus. And brothers and sisters, every time we think of the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, specifically, listen, we need to say this over and over and over again. The The worst part of his suffering was not nails in his hands. Do you understand that? The worst part of his suffering were were not nails in his feet. It wasn't the starvation. It wasn't the nakedness. It wasn't the mocking of the soldiers. It wasn't the crown of thorns. None of that was the worst of the suffering. The worst of the suffering was in that moment where Jesus Christ, quoting the Scripture, said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had become sin in your place. And that was the height of his suffering. Why? Because in that moment, all your sin was laid upon him. As we seek God's forgiveness, we follow this same pattern given to Israel. We confess our sins. We ask Him to remove our sin and guilt. And we acknowledge that He can only do that by punishing our sin and guilt in a substitute, the substitute Christ Jesus. Lastly, thirdly, we have, we've returned. Lord, I'm here to listen. We speak, forgive me for my sins, and lastly, we repent. There's some specific repentance that goes on here. Notice verse 3. Here's the ongoing confession. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God 
to the work of our hands. Three things there. Repent first of false trust. Assyria won't save us. This is the issue, right? Remember, as we've gone through this, Israel's sort of looking around and they're saying, okay, we need to make a treaty with Egypt. Egypt's going to come and they're going to help us. They're going to defend us. But while, while we're working with, this, with Egypt over here, we need to send someone secretly to go to Assyria and let's, let's parlay with Assyria so that if, if, if everything goes wrong, we can pit those two together and they'll forget about us altogether. But what do they do? They never went to the Lord. They never said, Lord, please save us. Please help us. So we repent of a false trust. The only way that Assyria would ever have been able to help them is if God had decreed Assyria's help. Secondly, we repent of self-trust. The second thing we say is we will not ride on horses. In other words, well, we'll just go out to war. We can do it. Horses are strong. How many horses do we have? How many chariots do we have? How many spears? How many bows? How many arrows? How many soldiers do we have? Okay, we can do this. Not only do I repent of false trust, I repent of self-trust. Lord, this whole time I've been trying... I've been trying to get my finances in order, and I, I'm not trusting you. I'm not asking you about it at all. I haven't come to you for help. I've wanted this job, this promotion. I've wanted my boss to look favorably on me, and I've put in the extra hours. I even stopped going to church on Sunday so I could work extra. You know the one thing you didn't do? You didn't ask him. You repent of self-trust. Lastly, we repent of idolatry. We will say no more our God to the work of our hands. Very simply, what are you devoting yourself to that God is not in? Notice that this repentance is of specific things. It includes not only actions, but heart attitudes. When you repent, you not only say, Lord, I'm sorry for telling a lie, but you say, Lord, I'm sorry for wanting to tell a lie. God invites His people to listen to His commands, to seek His forgiveness, and to repent of misplaced reverence. This is... This is the way back. Shane played at the beginning of worship. Second song in the way back machine as we're going back to our 90s worship set. As the deer pants for the water brooks. When we return, we're not returning to a place of blessing. We're not returning to good health. We're not returning to wealth, not to a a position of power. When we return, you're returning to a person. And as we close, let's consider that repentance is a return to Yahweh. When you repent, you are turning to a person. You're committing to a person. After 
an individual in a marriage commits infidelity, but what's he doing? He's, he's recommitting to that person. He's saying, I took those vows. I, didn't, I broke them. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Accept me. That's what you're doing. That's why the Lord has provided you this picture in Hosea of infidelity. This is what you're doing. You're returning to a person. Let's also consider the closing statement of the passage. Did you notice it? Verse 3. In you, the orphan finds mercy. That's a random statement. But imagine the historical significance of that. Son, Israel, you forgot me. Out you go. You won't listen to your father. Out you go. Now, they live an orphaned life. They are living under the dominion of one that's not their father. After the Assyrian captivity, a lot of kids would have seen their fathers and mothers die in Assyria. Literal orphans. The war, plagues, and famines of that time left quite a few literal orphans. But God left them and you with this promise. If you turn to me as your heavenly Father, I will have mercy. Next time, we're going to consider the promises that God makes to every one of you when you return to Him. Listening to His commands, seeking His forgiveness, and repenting of misplaced reverence. Let's pray. Father, help us. Every time we wonder if You are gracious, to open our Bibles to Hosea chapter 14 and read these words. Return to me. Or to Joel chapter 2 where we read these words. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me. And Father, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here this evening that you would help us to do that. We we acknowledge that our hearts are so weak. Lord, we can't turn to You. We are totally dependent on You even to create the desire to return. For those of us who don't need to return, I ask, help us to be faithful in these three. Day by day, listening to Your commands. Day by day, seeking Your forgiveness. And day by day, repenting of our sins, entrusting ourselves to Your powerful hand as You hold us for eternity. Lord, we love You, not as we ought. Strengthen our love, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.